0: The Healthy Golf Podcast, episode 11 with Bobby Dadaro. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and this week I'm excited to bring on Bobby D'Addero. Bobby is a strength and conditioning specialist and located in Easton, Massachusetts, where he is the owner and founder of Evolution Sports Performance. Uh, welcome to the show, Bobby.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it.
0: Um, why don't we get right into it? Um, tell us a little bit just about like your facility and then how you kind of got into working with golfers.
1: Yeah. So um, Evolution Sports Performance is the facility I own. Um, it's owner operator. So, you know, I'm doing the books, I'm doing the accounting, I'm doing payroll, and then I'm also coaching whatever many hours a day. Um, and Evolution Sports Performance itself is geared towards athletes. We train ages eight and up, and we will also incorporate a lot of speed and agility training with what we do. Um, we have turf inside and given the COVID restrictions, we're also going to do some field stuff, um, that we haven't done before. Um, but what we're, what we primarily do is training multi-sport athletes. Now where the golf part of that comes in is, um, I'm a golfer myself. Um, by no means am I anything special or anything to, you know, write home about, um, But I've been playing, I grew up playing golf. I played in high school, uh, took a hiatus in college and I got back into it playing amateur mid-am level. Mid-am's more appropriate uh, for my ability at this point. Um, I can't compete with some of those college kids. They're just too good. They're just too damn good. Um, So the golf side is that that's something that personally I'm passionate about. It's something that I find interesting. Um, I like providing the content for it, but I also feel like there's an opportunity for more and better information when it comes to training golfers. Um, The classic strength conditioning, you know, you think you're multi-sport, you're football and those, those sports, you know, the arguments there, they're just too much. It's, you know, we're arguing over whether triple extension actually takes place, whether teaching hang cleans from certain positions and it's like that stuff just isn't that important it really isn't that important so the opportunity with golf is not only am I passionate about it I also think there's a huge opportunity for golfers trainers coaches medical pros there's a there's a huge opportunity for us all to learn and provide a great product uh, for golfers so my, that's that's my own personal um, segment and that's why you know my my instagram content which is primarily what i do with on the golf side that's that's something that i just enjoy doing um and providing that kind of information
0: yeah your story sounds pretty similar to mine i golfed in high school too and then pretty much took a large hiatus throughout college and grad school and then have been in and out ever since um Definitely, like you said, nothing to ride home about in terms of golfing. I have a lot of work to do. That's for sure. But yeah, I think there's last night and uh, Bobby and I are both in this golf fitness mastermind and someone said, you know, golf fitness and golf performance is starting to really take some steam, but it's still in its infancy. And so we can really kind of uh, dictate where we want it to go and hopefully, you know, put out really good things. Um, But yeah, today I wanted to talk about um, power. Um, and how that relates to golf and first, why don't you just explain, or can you explain what power is and why it is so relevant to the golf swing?
1: Yeah. So when we talk power development, the, the, the transfer that we see is club head speed and with club head speed, then we get distance, um, shot distance. So, you know, typically you're thinking driver and typically you're going yardage off the tee um so from my perspective i'm looking at physical qualities that people can train to develop power um i don't want to diminish the fact of equipment club fitting technique and other technical things it's just not my realm i don't know them i wouldn't pretend i actually really go out of my way to pretend to not know them because every time i pretend to know something it's not right even with my own instruction and i walked in thinking it was going to be this and it was not that at all so um i really try to just stick to what i know and um but i do recognize you know without a, a square strike or um without certain positions in the swing yeah I mean, you're going to be limited but a lot of people lack the physical capabilities to produce force and with power production from a physical perspective it's really the ability to, to produce force over a short amount of time. So when you're thinking golf swing, a long, slow golf swing isn't a very powerful golf swing. The same way that doing a squat, you know, like you see a heavy, heavy squat, it takes a long time for that movement to be completed. So we know that that's not necessarily a powerful movement. That would be more of a strength movement so the conversation with power typically starts with strength for me because strength is really the ability to develop a big engine um the bigger the engine in the car the faster it has the ability to go um so when we have that strength foundation we can then layer our power on top of it so sometimes i'll use the the phrase or the analogy that power is the ability to develop strength quickly um so someone who knows how to squat and can squat you know decent weight even though the squat might not be powerful well take that bar away have them jump which is the same pattern and now they're just displaying that strength quickly um a lot of people that can produce vertical force are also pretty strong in the lower body um so once we acknowledge that you need to have a a level of strength and we need to, we need to move well. So when we're, when we're talking these things, you need to move well, you need to be strong, and then you need to reinforce it. And that reinforcement is our power training. It's all the stuff that we look, look for. It's all the stuff that appeals to us on social media, or, you know, we're throwing med balls, we're jumping, we're swinging speed sticks. That's all power training. And that's the, that's like the flash. That's the stuff that we get excited about. So you got to do the boring stuff first. And once you have the boring stuff down, then you can add in the, um, the high level power development movements. Um, so when I look at developing power, I like to start by looking at what can we do with, uh, upper or lower body with either both feet or both arms like I want to use them together, that's considered bilateral. What can we do bilaterally? And how can we do it in a forward-back plane of motion, that sagittal plane? So when we think forward-back, I'm talking about a vertical jump that's existing forward-backward. Same as a broad jump, jumping out. Um, A kettlebell swing is considered in that same plane of movement. So I like to see how can we train bilaterally, so both limbs, and how can we do it forward-backward? that's the simplest way to train like that's that's the that's your baseline for for plane work everyone always wants to jump right to rotation but you got to master the sagittal plane before you move to rotation um so some common exercises that i'll start with when we're talking about power is a kettlebell swing or i'll use a standard med ball slam um vertical jumps broad jumps and obviously everything i pick is is individualized not everyone should be doing everything i'm well aware of that but in general you know i try to i try to i try to see what we can do and then start taking stuff away first so i don't want to just lump someone away and say oh i don't vertical jump anybody it's like well i like to vertical jump who can and then if they shouldn't for any reason it's gone and you know go from there um The next part of power that I like to look at that most people will start to neglect is the side-to-side plane, which is considered our frontal plane. So I think that's most golfers' biggest opportunity for power improvement. Most people don't train side-to-side. Anyone who's done a lateral lunge knows that they're not actively trying to do lateral lunges in their free time um but they're one of those things it's a really really important thing to train because golfers are so golfers need to be able or the, the best golfers usually swing pretty hard um i know there's outliers i'm not i'm just talking in general so those that produce the most force typically are proficient sagittally which is forward backward frontal which is side to side And rotationally, which is our transverse plane, they're good in all three. Most of us, and you can put me on whatever test you want to put me on, I'm probably only going to be pretty good at one. And building up the other three helps the total power production, which then helps club head speed in general. So most golfers and most recreational people, their frontal plane is lacking the most. Um, It's just not typically like everyone, like if, if I say jump, everyone's going to think forward or up. If I say swing a kettlebell, a lot of people have done that. Um, not that everyone should be hang cleaning, but a hang clean is in that again, in that same plane, but not many people are very good at jumping laterally or jumping from one leg laterally doing lateral bounds. Um, but that's the precise movement that, that, you know, we get that in the downswing, we get a little bit of lateral power. We get, a push off of that trail leg um, so having having good power production in that plane as well is super important then it brings us to rotationally in the transverse plane which I actually and controversially I actually think is one of the lesser needs for training outside of the golf range course instruction or whatever and the reason i think that is um so i'm in massachusetts and we get golf for six to eight months a year the other months it's snow it's cold it's gross it's uh, very unenjoyable so i know up here how many golf swings that we're taking and if i move to any part of the country that's not up here up in the north I know that that number is dramatically bigger. So the opportunity for improvement is, is so much less because we're already rotating a lot. We're already used to it. So bringing up the other areas is going to provide more benefit. Now it doesn't mean ignore it. There's still a lot to be said about, you know, doing medicine ball throws, teaching how to actually take those exercises and do it with some actual force behind it because a lot of times we're not willing to swing a golf club as hard as we can because we're worried about it going too far left or right into the woods and that's okay because there is a part of scoring in the in golf so well, you know we're in the gym you know working on actually transferring some of that benefit you know a lot of people will take a lot of time they'll get stronger They will, uh, increase their vertical. They'll be great at slamming a med ball right in front of them. Then you ask them to rotate and it's still missing something. So you do need to reinforce everything else you're doing rotationally. And that's where I really like med balls. Um, there's some, I, I still love jumping. Um, obviously my, given my background, jumping and what you would consider turf or field work is obviously a huge part of what I do. Um, I'm well versed in it so it h- allows me to you know be able to coach it be able to hand it out and have our kids kids and parents do it uh parents adults sorry um so I always reinforce it and then when I feel as though you know they've they've kind of you know they're on the right path now we're talking super speed now we're talking some of those very very specific protocols um but you're very rarely gonna find me someone new to the gym never really trained before maybe already has a slow club head speed isn't very strong they're not gonna get super speed anytime soon it's uh i've heard many people refer to it as earning the right to get to super speed you have to earn your time it's not just you know that, that that's the thing. If you want super speed that bad, buy it and swing it in your backyard. It's your results aren't good. Your results are going to be as good as that sounds to me. I say it, and it's almost dismissive in a way. But you know, you should be following proper protocols. You should be taking proper rest periods. You should be training for strength, training for mobility, whatever your limitations are. Um, and then once you've established those things, then we're getting to reinforcement. Then we're getting to the the flashy, the sexy stuff. The stuff that, you know, you can see the radar, the screenshots of the radar, people hitting 140, 150, whatever the number is with that green stick. Um, but until we can acknowledge everything that goes into power, that it is plain that we do have different planes. You know, there is a strength foundation. Um, we can use multiple different things. We can use free weights. We can use med balls. We can jump. We can use a landmine. We can use bands. There's so many different ways to develop power that it's not just so much like, well, I did a bunch of med ball slams and I'm good. It's, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into this. And uh, we try to use as much as we can to provide the best product for our people in front of us.
0: Perfect. One, you just laid all that out beautifully um, for, I think, most people to understand pretty easily, I hope. Um, first thing you said was that there are what I look at as four components to, to club head speed. And two of them are not in at least mine and your realm. Like you said, like club fitting and like swing technique, um, go see the appropriate professionals for those things. But in terms of mobility and then power, um, those are what's going to make up. Now you kind of alluded to one. The other thing that I really liked was you said that you don't really train too much rotation. Obviously we have to train it, but like you said, we're already doing a lot of that in the golf swing. And at least coming from my medical background, you know, people are already swinging too much as it is, whether they're practicing and playing. And if they're doing even more, they're just going to continue to stress a lot of joints, potentially, if they're not, uh, mobile where they need to be mobile, or if they're not strong enough where they need to be strong enough. And you kind of alluded to, um, I think where most golfers can probably benefit to improve their power. Um, is kind of that strength base. Um, what kinds of things would you recommend to improve in terms of strength? You kind of already alluded to one with the with the squatting, um, but what other kinds of muscle groups or uh, movement patterns would you recommend getting stronger in so they can have a more powerful swing?
1: Yeah, to so to put my my ideal.
0: Right at this point, Bobby's feed kind of cut out for no more than 20 seconds, but we're going to pick right back up where he came back in.
1: Deadlift. I like using the deadlift, obviously. Um, I know that barbell deadlifting isn't for everyone. So sometimes it's a hex bar, sometimes it's hex bar elevated, sometimes it's a kettlebell, but let's just call it a deadlift, whatever deadlift is appropriate. It could even be an RDL, and RDL is a deadlift in my book um, for the right person. So. I like deadlifts. That's going to give us our hip strength. It's going to give us our spinal control into a hip hinge. It's going to be one of those movements where you're going to be able to put a lot of, again, a lot of force into the ground um, when done appropriately and, you know, weight, use appropriate weight. No one's going to lift more in a different lift than their deadlift. So um, at the same time, what what that number is doesn't matter to me. I don't care if it's, you know, 325. I don't care if it's 125. It's whatever number is right for that person. Because when someone comes to me and, you know, it's like, okay, well, my knee's junk. I've had back problems in the past. Uh, You know, I struggle with this. I don't hit it very far. And I want to be better. It's like, okay. So a lot of those things are things that we need to pay attention to. Well. 88 pounds, which because I we have we have our weights are in kilos, so 40k 40k deadlift, 88 pounds, that might be a significant improvement over what they're doing now. So I don't need that person to be breaking any records or chasing any deadlift numbers. Doesn't matter to me because what they're going to do is going to help them improve. Um. So obviously I had mentioned the squat. There's a huge correlation between vertical power development and club head speed. And one of the most classic ways to improve vertical power from a strength foundation is a front squat. Now, when I say front squat, immediately, a lot of people may think barbell. Well, holding a kettlebell at your chest is still a front squat. Holding two kettlebells in a front rack position is still a front squat. Um, So I'm a big fan of a lot of people just getting really, really good with a goblet squat. And they can move to the bar if it allows. And if it never does, then Really, no sweat off my back. Um, our younger golfers, I will attempt to get them to a barbell as quickly as appropriate. And if it works that way, I'll try to get them there as soon as possible because they seem to adapt, recover, and take on the training benefits a little bit quicker. Um, but, you know, just for your recreational golfer, there's many of my guys, they never need to front squat a bar. It doesn't have to happen. But, Whatever the appropriate front squat is for them, that's what we're going to do. Those are my two main lower body lifts. I also will uh, will promote that people get proficient at chin-ups. Chin-ups give us two pretty valuable pieces of information. One is an assessment on someone's body weight. If they're a generally strong person and chin-ups are very, very difficult, well, is body weight at play here? It could be. Um, and then that can give us even just some general info, like, Hey, it would be great if I lost 25 pounds and it's not to just to do the chin-ups, you're going to get all the health benefits of, you know, good weight loss. It also gives us an idea of someone's strength level, because if they're at a decent weight, or even if they're a little bit leaner and they can't pull themselves up, well, we know we have a strength thing. Um, and something else that I've a little bit theorized with is that we can also get pretty good information about uh injury risk at the elbow when it comes to the chin-up and i would love to get your insight on this and I've, I've i've asked many multiple physical therapists what you know their thoughts are is with the chin-up if someone can actually lower themselves into a full chin-up you know relatively full extent it doesn't need to be that But if they can get to a full chin up, then we know that that bicep has good eccentric control on the way down. And if we can get good eccentric control, then we're going to be able to decelerate the arm when we swing. Because at some point during the swing, we have to decelerate. And if we have good deceleration surrounding the elbow, we might be able to actually reduce some elbow pain, some of that typical golfer's elbow. I've heard that reasoning used for baseball pitchers too, cause they they're getting obviously way more deceleration. So someone who can proficiently do chin ups is going to be better protected. Um, so the way I look at that and you, uh, I'll shut up in a second and you can give your insight is at worst someone gets good at chin ups and they become stronger, but we also may have that secondary benefit as well.
0: Yeah. I mean. Um, I would totally agree with that. I mean, first of all, eccentric training, which if people don't know what that is, is basically when the muscle is lengthening, but it's still doing the work basically. Um, Essentially, that really helps if you do it correctly and you do it under some significant load can help to one, not only improve muscle strength, but can also improve uh, the flexibility of the muscle. Um, But it also helps strengthen uh, the tendons and all the other, um soft tissue kind of like ligaments and everything like that that are surrounding the joints to get stronger as well. Which later down the line, if you are continuing to do lots of athletic endeavors, will one kind of reduce your risk of injury. Um, so I think one, that's part of part of that kind of eccentric, or if they can get into like a full extension on your chin-up uh theory. Uh but two, right, if they're able to do a correct chin up, they should have proper scapular stability and control to do that as well, as well as probably pretty good grip strength, um, as well as bicep strength That's and all of those other muscles that are going to surround the elbow joint. So if we can continue to, again, improve the, uh, I guess I'll say resiliency of those muscles, especially in that test, um, then it should ideally lessen the, the stress put at the elbow if people are doing weird things with their hands during their golf swing or anything like that, especially repetitively. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see how that would work too for baseball pitchers. Cause I mean, they have to decelerate significantly much more quickly than, uh, a golfer would have to decelerate. I mean, I think someone said like a baseball pitchers arm, if you didn't stop it and then just kept rotating. I mean, I think it goes like almost like, I want to say somewhere between like three and 6,000, like RPMs. Um, which is pretty fast, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but yeah,
1: it's, it's no wonder they deal with what they deal with.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like that deceleration. What is you? what are your thoughts? There's definitely some research out there. I'm sure it's probably on, I haven't looked deep into it, but, um, I'm sure it's probably on younger, healthier adults or people who are trained. Um, but what are your thoughts on the bench press and like upper body pushing in terms of power development?
1: So the bench press the that's the hot topic and for me the second someone has a reason not to use the bench press i'm good i'll use a cable i'll use dumbbells we can use a neutral grip um we can push-ups push-ups are one of my favorite just if someone can do 10 12 push-ups or they can load them up use a band whatever then you know they're going to have decent upper body strength and control uh with the bench press for those that have no injury history that move well and report no discomfort from the movement i don't mind it now if someone's training with me and they are on even a two-day or sometimes a three-day program they're not bench pressing to start they're doing dumbbells they're working uh on control with the dumbbells and we can even do some single arms, some alternating. We can do dumbbell variations forever, and I'm good with that. Now, again, because uh, if we're talking my younger athletes, my adults will almost never bench press. Um, but again if if they say, "Hey, what do you think about bench pressing I'm like, "You know what? You've been doing dumbbells for this long. I've seen you do this movement. Let's give it a shot. see how it goes. If the range of motion's fine, and they can report nothing. Then I'm good with that um but if you know you do your introductory assessments and you know it's like okay shoulder range of motion isn't great um the ability to reach not awesome they aren't very good at push-ups stock uh you know then it's like what's the bench press really going to do for us at that point um myself I still bench press uh so for me I'm using it uh but for my for my profile i move pretty well i don't have a history of shoulder injury or upper body injury um i'm also not the strongest person in the world so i look at the bench press for me as a huge opportunity um it's it's one of the best movements for building upper body strength so again since i can check the boxes of pain free moves well no injury history uh I, I'm okay giving it to myself, but I'm cautious. I'm cautious with the bench press, but I don't, I don't automatically dismiss it, but I'm very, very cautious. I actually would say I need more reasons to include it as opposed to exclude it. I will be pretty quick to get rid of it.
0: Yeah. I like that uh, kind of criteria to see if someone's appropriate or not for the bench press, because I myself, I don't really do much bench press. I don't, I think I've bothered my shoulder a few times in the past, um, but no documented like injury. But when I definitely, even just like with dumbbells, if I just go too heavy, I definitely feel it in my shoulder the next day. And it's not like your muscle soreness. It's like, "Mm, I think I irritated something. So like you said, I mean, um, I don't, I personally really don't do much bench pressing. I'm also kind of hypermobile in the shoulders. So, and it's hard for me to kind of stabilize sometimes. And even in just my experience, seeing patients and clients, especially the older clients who've obviously have lived longer, especially if they've done a lot of training in the gym in the past, it seems like most of them have some sort of shoulder issue. And they, every single one of them always says, I should have never done that much bench pressing. Now that's not to say that bench pressing is bad and that you should never do it, but sometimes you need to make those modifications. Um, like Bobby was just saying, basically, um, what are your, after you had kind of mentioned some people need to earn the right to do some of these speed things, are you looking, I know you said that numbers aren't necessarily important to you. Um, but are you looking for a certain minimum sometimes on some of these major lifts? Like some people say, you know, you need to be able to squat body weight. And now obviously not everyone's going to be appropriate to do that. It all kind of depends on the person. Um, but are you looking for any of those kinds of you know, numbers before they progress to some of those more speed power drills?
1: Yeah. I mean, so when it comes to, um, like super speed specifically, I'm just looking for someone to have to, who has trained a little bit. Um, you know, they've put in like, you know, two months, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, they've put in the time to actually train. It's like, all right, well, let's go like rev it up a little bit. Um, or, you know, you use it a little more sparingly if it's within that where it's like, all right, so we're going to we're going to pre-test you. We're going to see how it goes. Four weeks later, you've been doing a bunch of training. Hop in. Let's see how it goes. Um, you know, keep the volume low. Um, but when it comes to some of those numbers, what I ideally what I would like to see a minimum is I would like to see people be able to uh, do about 10 pushups at their body weight. Um that shows me that upper body, things are probably working appropriately. If it's a full range of motion push up, we know the shoulder's probably doing well, the core stability is good, and the upper body strength is there. Um, the base I'd like to see for a chin-up would be one. I'd like to see people be able to do one. I would like that number to work closer to six before we know it's like, like one would be like your base, six would be like, okay, we're pretty close. And then, you know, if you can get eight to 10 chin ups, then upper body strength probably isn't an issue. Um, The squat is a little more difficult because some people will throw it, you know, the one time body weight or one and a half time body weight. I think if you can squat your body weight, that's a very good thing. But I don't want that to be confused with those that can't squat their body weight, are severely lacking uh, um i'd like to look at the whole body when it comes when it comes to lower body stuff i look i like to look at all the work you know because we have some people their hinge pattern isn't awesome maybe they can hex bar deadlift off the floor then you give them some hamstring stuff and they are just crushed by it every single time their lunges maybe not so strong squat patterns okay well it's like okay well just so we know this person probably shouldn't get into like an advanced jumping uh protocol because they haven't really shown the lower body control to really get the most out of it Uh, um but when someone can you know like their squat looks good they can deadlift like just physically do it um hamstrings you know they're sore for the first couple weeks and then they're good You know you can get them jumping um you're never gonna see me recommend the old uh this the cscs certified strength conditioning specialist the old recommendation of uh two times body weight back squat before someone can do a plyo uh that's too old too old school um the other part when it comes to some power training is i will give people basic power movements almost immediately to start training the nervous system. Um, There is an element of, you know, obviously starting at the brain and getting the patterns down of being able to kettlebell swing. Now it might not be the most powerful thing in the world. You might not get the most power benefits, but learning the movement early on has its benefits. You know it once the strength comes and you can get the benefits of power from swinging the kettlebell. Um, So, if I'm, if it's going to be like jumping, I'm looking at what's going on with the lower body. You know, if someone can barely lunge, then they have no business jumping on one leg. Um, if someone can, can't move into a squat pattern, they're going to have a hard time jumping and getting anything out of it. Same thing. Like if they're deadlift, like I have, a, I just got a kid and he cannot, he is not a deadlifter. He his, uh, you know, he doesn't hinge the hips well, whether it's Hamstring tightness, protective tension, growth—all the different reasons why you know the posterior chain can be tight. Him doing broad jumps isn't going to be pretty because he can't sink the hips back, he can't land the jump. It's just not the wisest thing for him. But you know, jumping straight up and down is great because his squat pattern's awesome. Um, So it's just being aware. Obviously, everything I do is individualized. Um, We have, and and that's even with my group people. Um, We do assessments we constantly work with the kids even my people that train in-house they don't get to pick their bench press weights if they're even doing it it's me i'm picking and i'm telling you when you can go up and when you can whatever um so i like i like in general people to be able to do some chin-ups up to six people to be able to do 10 push-ups you know working on a squat ideally would be a front squat around your body weight but that's not a uh like a hard line that it has to be deadlifts. It would be great if you could deadlift twice your body weight. But again, it's not one of those things like, you know, you're worthless. If you can't, I don't want people to think that, um, cause I'm always looking for better. And if you come in and you cannot deadlift and we get you to a point where you can, that's better. And better is always what I'm looking for.
0: That's right. Progress is always, always better than nothing. But I remember, uh, when I was studying for CSCS, and learning all those numbers of like when to you know progress to plyometrics and i read like two times body weight for a squat and i was like that is impossible like no one should be jumping basically I I,
1: i would have to squat 320 pounds to allegedly do two consecutive jumps in the air are you kidding me these kids are 11, 12, 13, 15, 16 years old. What do they do? They go and they run. That's a plyo. Get out of right. here.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I said. I mean, I would have to do just a little bit more than you, like 340. I'm like, not even close. Nowhere even close to doing that.
1: Oh, um, I have no yeah, design, no time, no need for that. No. At this point.
0: Absolutely not. Um, all right. Great, great, great info here. I have some fun questions at the end here. Um, First one is, what's the best course you've ever played?
1: So I think the best uh, quality course I've ever played, um, and I'm not world traveler here, so I'm I'm limited opportunities. If you ask me in four months or so, I'll have a better answer. Um, but this year, right before Corona times, I was in Savannah and I played the club at Savannah Harbor. And that was, I really, really enjoyed that course. The place was in great shape. The place played firm, fast. Um, Us New England courses, everything's slow and soft. So it was kind of nice to play, um, you know, a course down south and get, you know, what feels like what the rest of the country sort of gets. The the place was in great shape. uh, Great layout. It wasn't anything like, you know, you got these dog legs where you can't see or these like slope changes that you can't do. Um, it might be a complete tourist destination. That's fine. I was a tourist, so, you know, I'll pay my whatever I paid and I rented my clubs that I could barely hit, but, uh, played really well there too. Shot about five, five over with rental clubs. And, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to keep anything in play.
0: Well, that's pretty good. Uh, second question is you have a risky approach shot to the green. Are you going for it or laying up?
1: If it's a hazard, I'm probably laying up because my long shots are garbage. If there's no hazard and it's just like bunkers, a downhill, rough stuff like that, I'll probably let it rip. Um, and I know so so anyone that listens to the podcast, listen to James Ashcroft. And James Ashcroft's a friend of mine. He works out of our facility. We collaborate on our athlete assessments and our golf program. And, of course, he's send it. And with him, we, we play at the same course up here in Massachusetts. And there's a, there's a, there's a par five, and it's two, it's about 250 to uh, from the back tees. You're usually left 250, 240, and it's over water. Left is a little bit of brush and a hill. Right is all fescue, and there is a little pot bunker out there. He's going to pull, and he said it, he's going to pull three wood and try to rip that thing in there every single time. I do not have that shot in the bag. So if that's the case, I'm laying out. But if it's 2.30 and I don't have any trouble ahead of me, I'll I'll give it a run. Um, but you will see me be a little bit more conservative than most people because I don't have the long shots in my bag.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. And if anyone hasn't listened to that episode, it's episode seven.
1: And you should. Also-
0: yeah. You should listen to it. It's about low back pain, probably what most people experience. And then, uh, at some point I know James said that he'd like to get together with me and play around. we'd have to, if we could coordinate all three of us to go at some point, that would be pretty fun.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely down for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, last question. Last fun question is you're going to go out for a round. Uh, it's your dream foursome who who's in it.
1: All right. So Tiger, Tiger Woods is a given because I want I want to see the ability. Uh he's he's the best. He's the reason that I was in golf. I can remember in SportsCenter, Center the way they cover LeBron now, they used to cover Tiger when he was killing everybody at the US Open in St. Andrews um the the year 2000 when he won basically everything by a million. Um so Tiger's in it. Uh I also I want Michael Jordan in the group. Um, I, I I like to uh, I like to gamble every once in a while, and there's no one better than him. So I would just I would really really like to see him making bets against Tiger and seeing what he could get out of him, and uh, then also I mean the trash talk. Anyone who saw the Last Dance again, Michael Jordan is right in my wheelhouse. So. Um, whether I'm dating myself, both either young or old, I don't. Again, depending on who's listening, uh, you'll kind of get a grasp, sort of where um, where my head's at, and then my fourth goal. I see this is this is this is where it gets hard. I don't always um I don't always have to do this, but you know what? If it's gonna be if it's gonna be a foursome and I, I only get one shot at it. I'd also like to play with Brooks Koepka. Um, I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And, you know, some people will think, you know, he's kind of, you know, uh, you know, he's just like, like he's being kind of an a-hole. Um, but it also strikes me as a guy that just kind of gets it. And when he says certain things like, hey, it's a golf tournament. It's really not that important. It's like, well, how can he say that? It's his job. It's a profession." but it's like, eh he might be right though. So, um, and also I know him and Tiger are are friends. So, you know, there is an element of, you know, making it a little bit fun because when it comes to the foursome, you know, you could put three different personalities, but if you put some similar personalities and some friends in that group, it's going to be a good time.
0: I think that would be a great foursome. And just to see Michael Jordan, I mean, watching the last dance when he was like betting, if he could like throw the penny closest to the wall, not hit the, yeah, yeah, exactly. If like
1: one uh, quarters with the security staff beforehand.
0: So absurd. He just, he's just competitive to no right. end.
1: Yeah. His competition problem.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> What, uh, where can any last piece of advice for anyone listening um, about anything in terms of uh, improving their golf performance?
1: Yeah, so when it when it comes to golf performance, you, it doesn't need to be as difficult as some people like to make it. Um, it's really just about you know find fi- find someone who knows what they're doing. find find a find a coach, find a trainer, find a whoever it is. Find someone who knows what they're doing that they can assess you and they can give you the right guidance because there's so much stuff out there. There's so many methods, and no one can be on the same page because everyone needs to be right find someone who knows what they're doing and they can guide you the right way. Cause you know, you might think, Oh man, I'm, I'm really weak. It's like, well, you're not that weak, but you definitely need some mobility. And it's like, Oh man, it's like, I need so much mobility. It's like, nah, man, you're already super mobile. Like let's work on some strength and then turn it into some power. So my advice is do whatever you need to do to simplify it. Listen to as few people as possible. Obviously if you don't like what someone has to say, move on, there's plenty. Um, if you don't like what I have to say, you might like what Joe has to say, and then you can listen to Joe or whatever, whatever it takes. But, um, I really like things to be simpler and we're in a very complicated time. I feel like when it comes to fitness with so many people putting their hat in the ring, um, do what you need to do to simplify it down, find someone that's good, find someone that you like, find someone that's relatable, use their info, use their coaching, whatever it takes.
0: Excellent. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, Bobby, uh, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram at golfers, that lift it's not golfers who lift golfers, that lift. Um, that's where all my golf content is. My DMS are open. You can, you can ask whatever you need. Um, I'm pretty responsive on that. Uh, At the same time, too, that's something I do for fun. It's not monetized. You know, you're not gonna be pressured into buying anything Um, So if you're just looking for advice looking for suggestions, just find me there if you uh, hop on Twitter at Bobby Daddaro You might see a little bit of golf info, but you might also see my buddies kind of chirping me about uh, Some other things that we do in life and you know, if you like gambling, there'll be some of that info there, too but the golf stuff's all on Instagram. I am on Twitter. So whatever, uh, whatever your preferred method is.
0: Excellent. And I'll uh, link both of those up into the show notes. Um, all right. But that's about it. Thanks for joining us again on this week's episode, Bobby. Thanks for having me. All right. That wraps up another episode of the healthy golf podcast. I think uh, this was a great episode. Bobby did a wonderful job of breaking down exactly what power is and I think a very simple way of how he goes about uh, prescribing exercises and how to go about developing power in athletes and particularly golfers. Um, Once again, as usual, I'm forever grateful for you downloading today's episode and taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast if you haven't done so already, I would be super appreciative if you could go ahead and uh, rate the podcast. And then if you're so willing to spend some more time, give it a review on whichever platform that you do that on, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, but until next time, keep working hard, keep getting stronger and striving for progress every single day, because when you feel great, you go off great.